We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to the Uncontested Podcast post-game edition. I am your host tonight, Nick, joined by Jacob. As the Thunder lose to the Celtics in a close one, 126-122, to we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Jacob. Tonight was a very interesting game. It felt like a pivotal moment in the Thunder season where the teams looked kind of good recently, but it's like if they play well against the Celtics, maybe we think they're real. If they get thrashed by the Celtics, it brings us back down to reality and the Thunder are a losing team. But it was kind of a middle ground. They looked like the better team for 95% of the game, maybe 90% of the game. Got a little bit turnover happy there late in the game. The youth really showed they dropped the game. Before I get into big takeaways, just what's your sense of direction for this team after this game as it relates to your outlook holistically of the season? Yeah, I don't think that it's hard to describe. Like, I don't think that if they won by one, I would say, oh my gosh, this is like a six seed. And since they lost, I'm not saying, oh, bottom three odds, they're they're gonna tank. It's somewhere in the middle. It's a, it's a Second night of a back-to-back against the Eastern Conference champions uh, who are looking to repeat, who are probably better than they were last year. Uh, you outplayed them for a long stretch of the game. Like, this team, is this Thunder team, I know we had a big discussion last night on the show, but the, I, I don't know how you could argue they haven't taken a step forward. Like, I know it's early in the season. I know it's small sample size. But just by watching this team, they are at a different level than they were last year. Like that they are progressing as a basketball team. Should they have won tonight? Yeah. You had a 15 point lead in the second half. Uh, I think the broadcast said there was a 22 to eight run there in the middle of the fourth really killed the thunder. Lots of stuff to learn from, but they're at what? Six and eight now. Yeah. Um, Didn't think they'd be here at this point in the season. Um, 
if if we had to take this like this tier is like trash tier where you are winning 20 games and and having top lottery odds and all the way over here is like top tier you are securely in the playoffs like over the course of this rebuild they it feels to me like they have entered the new tier yeah that was that was one of my takeaways is like i think i'm ready to say you think about houston orlando detroit what we thought was going to be utah although they're better now we'll see how long they keep that roster together um and san antonio even mm-hmm Take Utah out for now because the way the roster is currently constructed, they're actually okay. Um, those other four teams, like the Thunder, are just in a different tier. And it's mainly because of Shea. Yeah, like, for, I mean that's what happens when you have a superstar, right? Like he's he's we're to the point where nearing the twenty percent point in the season. It's like one fifth of the way through, and I think after tonight, I think Giannis got hurt in the Bucks game. Last I looked, he had like eighteen points at the end of the third quarter. Um, SGA will jump him for sixth in the league in scoring, which is like crazy to think that Shea is about to jump Giannis in a statistical category. Like that guy is MVP level. Shea's doing more than just scoring. He's passing, he's rebounding, he's playing defense. Like when, when NBA.com drops their like MVP ladder this next week, like he's got to be top 10. Yeah. He was top 10 the last time and he's was only he really? been better. I didn't see the, yeah, the I think he was number 10. I think okay. he was number 10. Well, he's got to have jumped. Like he's he's gotten better as the season goes on. It's back to back thirty seven point games. Yeah, it's insane. It's incredible. Um, so this game specifically, I think the the most impressive thing, like the entire game, was pretty impressive playing the Celtics like that. But anytime you play a contending team, it feels like in the first quarter you can really dictate the outcome of the game. If Boston would have come out to a twenty to six lead, you know, get up fourteen points early, this game could have been out of reach quick. But Felt like Oklahoma City threw the first punch. You know, in the first quarter, they were up four or six points there early and kind of kind of carried that through the end of the first quarter. It really felt like they came out and said, hey, Boston, like we know you're a better team. You have more talent. You got off of Eastern Conference finals run or a finals run winning the Eastern Conference. But we're not backing down. We're going to throw the first punch. And that was impressive to me. And that's something that I think young teams really struggle with. Do you think that's having a guy like Shea that can have a big first quarter or is that coaching or is that these guys just have a different kind of mindset and approach the game the right way? I don't think there's a single answer. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think that this is the youngest team in the league, but Shea's got a lot of experience. Lou's got a lot of experience. Kenrich has a lot of experience. And I think having that much experience as young guys, uh, they, they can do that. You know, I think some of it's coaching. I think a lot of it's mindset. Um, I, I harp on this all the time on this podcast being like the idea of physicality is a mental state of mind. It's not a, a physical attribute. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that comes back to, we joke all the time. They got that dog in them. Right. But, but that's part of that. You, you come out with that killer mentality and it sucks that they kind of shot themselves in the foot down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, I think coming out like guns blazing, just throwing the first punch uh, and putting your foot on their neck. I mean, it felt like for those first three quarters, anytime Boston got something, the Thunder immediately respond back. back yeah. um, you know, whether it be a uh, a shade driving layup or a really good ball movement leading to an open shot, or like it just felt like the Thunder were constantly responding 
And there are times where I watch this team and I think, holy crap, Mark, call a timeout. And I kind of love that. Through it. Yeah, I kind of love that he does that because it's like you're throwing the kid in the pool. You're going to swim or you're going to drown. Yep. And and I think sometimes that's a short-term setback for a long-term gain, you know, a, a long-term lesson. And so yep. uh, I, I think it kind of all comes back to, to this team, not just the coaching staff, not the players, but everybody holistically, this team's mindset. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I – you know, so adamant on the show last night that they're going to push for 30, 35 wins. Like they, they're playing too well. Um, I don't know. That's, that's down a completely different rabbit hole, but, but just that, like you mentioned that mindset, that first quarter, you might be better than us, but we're not going to back down We're we're here to scrap is that mindset is the mindset of a winning basketball yeah. team. Yeah. And it's so interesting not not to get in the rabbit hole. We can take this for a group pod on Sunday or something on like the trajectory of the team, but it's so interesting the the situation they're in. And I think the the fan base is pretty split right now. You've got some people that are like making the play in does nothing for you. It just gets you a late lottery pick and you can't get much better next year. There's other people that are bought in and they want to win, they want to make the playoffs and rightfully so. Like this this franchise was a perennial contender for 95% of the franchise's history in Oklahoma City up until about two years ago. But Presti and Dagnalt have preached this mentality of we don't want to be in the middle. We don't want to be mediocre. Being mediocre leads to being mediocre in the future. Like it just they, they've they've been so against being a middling team. And the direction they're going right now, I agree with you, Jacob, is a middling team. Like being the ninth through 11th seed in the West, which is not a bad thing. I don't care which side of the fence you're on, but it is very against what they've told us all off season. I think that's fair, but you know, they've also said they'll let this team declare themselves. Sure. Let them play it. I, I think when we zoom in really close, maybe I'm, this is, I'm not, I was going to say, maybe I'm hedging. I'm just hedging. But when we zoom in real close at this season and we say, Ooh, they're in the middle. That's bad. Right, you don't want to be in the middle. I agree. Being in the middle is horrible. Being in the middle makes you the New York Knicks. Yep. Right. Being in the middle makes you Sacramento Kings, uh, the Sacramento Kings, the Charlotte Hornets. But when you zoom out a little bit and you look at this more holistically, you're in the middle. You don't want to plateau at the middle and just keep yep. going. But if the middle is a spot on this graph that is continually going up, then the middle isn't such a. It, it, it's a plot point on a graph. Yep. It's not the trend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And For sure. and making it a trend is bad. If it's a plot point and a continual growth on the graph, uh, it's much better. And so are they, you know, kind of a middle team right now, six and eight? Yeah, that throws you right in the middle of the league. But I think you are seeing a progression. You're seeing a growth where this is the next step in that growth, right? Um, and in that instance, I don't think being in the middle is bad. It's the draft pick part of it sucks. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think at that point being in the middle is bad because in in order to go from the bottom to the top, you have to pass the middle at some point. It's a yeah. stepping stone. Yeah. And and we're 14 games in. Like there's a lot of basketball to be played. This For sure. Team, this team could end up the third worst team in the league. This team could be the eight seed. Like yeah. there's I mean, so I was watching games. the first half tonight and I was thinking like I really don't know what to think. Is this team really good and yeah. like swinging punch for punch with the Boston Celtics? 
or the Celtics having a cold night and just missing these open layups, which they missed a lot of, and these open threes, which they missed a lot of. Mm -hmm. And the Thunder just caught him on a cold night. You know, like what's real, what's fake. It's so hard to to make that determination this early in the season. Mm -hmm. I think at 20 games we have, and we're we're quickly approaching the 20 game mark. We got about seven more to get there, six more to get there. But I think at the 20 game mark, you really have more of a, um, a a big enough sample size to really draw some conclusions, uh, but we're getting there, and and yeah. it's still it's so hard to make a determination. Yeah, agreed. And kind of pivoting to this next topic um, along the same lines, like first three quarters, even like first half especially, um, this team is literally going punch to punch with the Celtics. Like they, if if you were a as someone that was not plugged into the NBA and didn't know who the big names were, who was top of the league, who's bottom of the league. Like you might think that Thunder are a really good team that's better than the Boston Celtics on paper, um, which is promising because it, I think it speaks to when this team is more experienced and better. That's what they could look like every night. Forget mm-hmm. adding draft picks, forget even adding Chet. Like the guys you have, not even Trey Mann, the guys you had out there playing tonight, if they develop and improve, they could look like that on a regular basis. Yeah. On the flip side, Josh Giddy, late third, early fourth. You see the youth. You probably see a little bit of fatigue from being on the second back, not even back to back. But that's almost like the flip side where it's like first half, first three quarters really was like, there's the ceiling of this current team regularly. But then you see the turnovers and they get flustered and they lose the game late. It's like, but wait, they're not there yet. Like maybe they're close to declaring themselves. Maybe not necessarily. What did you think of Josh, I think it's a it's a good learning moment. That's a game that tonight was like, man, Josh, what are you doing? You're turning it over four or five times in a five minute span. But he'll learn from that, and it's incredible experience. So just give your thoughts on Josh, and then the experience going into crunch time with the Boston Celtics. Yeah, Josh tonight, sixteen point seven rebounds, four assists. That's a nice line. A block. That's cool. Uh, he was a plus six, the best on the team. That's awesome. Seven turnovers, six of 17 shooting, one of six from three. That's the bad stuff. And he just like malfunctioned there at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Lots of really like unforced turnovers. Have you ever seen that from him? Like ever. It it felt weird. Like it just, it's like he got too much into his own head again. It's like he reverted. Um, He reset. and, And so that sucks. Also, I tweeted early in the game, like someone needs to tell this man, everything doesn't have to be a floater. Dude, three pointers. He's like floating them. I know he on that end of the first quarter. He he got to the three point line and literally shot a floater. And I'm like, bro, just shoot the ball. Like the it's where, okay to the one where Tatum blocked his shit. He yeah, like, it was like a nonchalant like, oh, we're gonna float it up the shot clock. Like the dude's right in front of you. Yeah, uh, a little strange. Um, <laughs> you know, so it feels like a few steps forward and then now another step back for Josh. I agree. Great learning moment for him. Uh, they're going to have a lot of stuff to to watch on tape and to get better from in this one. Um, you know, I like pe- people always say like no moral victories and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, this is a really good game to learn from. If they win this game, um, I think this coaching staff is good enough to sit them down and say like, Hey, we won, but we shit the bed down the fourth quarter. We have to get better. But I think losing this one really makes like drives it home for the team. Like, we lost. We need to get better. Let's sit down and really dig through the film. Um, this the, the loss might be short-term setback for a better long-term results type of thing. 
Yeah, just a little bit of an off night for Josh as far as the turnovers. Before that, he was playing really well. And it was the end of that third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, that really dug him in a hole. You were mentioning they went punch to punch with the Celtics for three quarters. Third quarter is 27 to 27, but you give up five points to Peyton Pritchard. Last minute. Uh, in like not even a minute, like 20 seconds. So it was really bad. Yeah. You know, you purge those and they have 22 points in the quarter and you're going into the fourth uh, instead of it being, um, gosh, I don't even know how much the Thunder were up going in the fourth quarter, like seven. Yep, you're seven. going in the fourth quarter up 12 uh, and it's a bit of a different story. You know, yeah. the momentum shift isn't there and, and you probably close this one out. So just these little things here and there that I think they can learn a lot about. Last two takeaways, I'm going to bring up two names. You can go whichever direction you want. We'll talk about both. Um, or maybe I'll pose a question. J-Dub and Poku, both incredibly impressive. I think Poku had a bad finish. I think it was because his ankle was a bit ginger. Like there was a three, he passed up and then turned it over because he didn't want to take it. And there was a couple other moves where I think if he wasn't fragile on his ankle and didn't have it all taped up and was hurt, he probably would have finished. But overall, great game from him. J-Dub looked awesome as well. In your eyes, um, which was more impressive tonight? We'll start there, then we'll finish with the other. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Poku, leading minute getter tonight with 37. Even with even with a little injury pause. I, I know. Uh, Poku, 37. Shea and J-Dub, 36. Dort, 35. Giddy, 33. He really ran the starters tonight. Uh, Coach Dagnall did. Poku was freaking awesome. Um, I was really impressed. I think I got to go with J-Dub because it's like a career high scoring for him. He went six of nine from the field, uh, finally splashed through some threes, uh, 14.6 rebounds, two assists, a block. Uh, I thought he played really well. I mean, this is a rookie who drew the matchup of guarding Jalen Brown for majority of his minutes. Especially Uh, in the crunch. crunch Yeah, I I, I thought he did. um, He wasn't locked down, but for a rookie, I thought he did fine. I really like his defense, actually. Um, he just makes stuff happen. I love how much of a ball mover he is. He had a play, I think it was in the fourth, maybe, maybe the third, where like Shea was isoing and then kicked it out. And J Dub like made a move, got down the lane, and then hit a backdoor cut for like a very yep. easy layup. He just he's a very, very smart basketball player. Um I I've been really impressed with him. Putting J or J Dub in that spot does not mean that like I don't think Poku played well. I think Poku was freaking awesome tonight. Uh, I was very sad when the ankle got rolled. I'm glad he came back. Hopefully he's able to keep playing. I'm telling you, they have four starters now. Poku is like an, an entrenched starter. I feel like even when when Baisley gets back healthy. Uh, even when Usman Jang comes back from the G League, who had a great G League night mm-hmm, tonight, mm-hmm. by the way, against the Ignite. Uh, even when all that stuff happens, I think I think Poku is their starter. He's providing a lot defensively, um, and the offense has been very efficient lately. Agreed. I I agree with you. Four starters are solidified. I would argue, why not five? J-Dub? Why don't we have J-Dub start? I, I love the starting lineup tonight. There's some lineups or there's some teams you just can't play that against. Like they can't do that against the 76ers. They can't do that against the Wolves. I don't think they can do it against situationally for sure. Yeah. Like the Lakers. Yeah. Um, oh, or maybe you do. You can do <laughs> whatever the do. hell you want against the Lakers. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. Um, but I mean, 
Poku showed me a lot in that in that Bucks game, holding his own against Brooke Lopez and, and winning the trust of the coaching staff to to body up Brooke, who they yep. very clearly just wanted to post up every time. Like if Dagnalt trusts him for that, then they've got a lot of trust in Poku. Hundred percent. Any other takeaways for you? Those are my kind of big overarching themes. But anything before I get into the flow of the game that stuck out to you that you want to chat through? Um, I thought maybe Kenrich's best, uh, best is, is maybe not the best word to use there. Um, most aggressive offensive game this year. Um, he's looking for his own shot. Yeah. That felt very much, um, Isaiah Joe missing two free throws was very surprising. Yeah. Um, and then Jay will. Getting some minutes. burn First that I didn't minutes. expect. Yeah. Uh, this says he only played eight minutes. Um, felt like more. He did. I think he does a lot of really nice things. I, he's a big body. He rebounds well. I think he's a really good passer. Uh, he's developing as like a scorer. Your defense is definitely one-dimensional when he plays. He can like pretty much only play drop coverage. Yep. And when he drops, that boy drops. Yep. Like... There was a uh, an Al Horford, I think it's Al Horford, an Al Horford, Jalen Brown pick and roll that he was involved in, and he dropped, and he kept dropping, and he kept dropping, and he kept dropping until he was like underneath the basket he and just because he's too slow to catch up. Yeah, it gave Jalen Brown just like a five foot little floater. That's like a layup. And I was like, man, at some point you have to step up on that screen and offer some resistance. You can't just let the guy walk to the to the rim like that. Yeah, I'm sure, that's stuff they're working on. He does have limitations physically, yeah. uh, but I think he's a really smart player. And if you play him within a system with guys around him that can help him, uh, I, I think he can be a productive player. Um, is he ever going to be like, you know, like a backup center for this team and, and soak up like 15 minutes a night? I don't really think so. Um, but we'll see how his development goes. Um, right now, I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is very clearly like ahead of him in that pecking order, yep. and will probably stay that way for quite some time. Um, he, I thought it was interesting that we got some early Jay Wilburn. Feels like a gadget guy that maybe if he if he makes it on this roster for long enough, he could be a guy that in some weird playoff series where there's a matchup nightmare and Oklahoma City can't figure out the right rotation, he's a guy that's just like this weird fit at the five and like works against somebody. But outside of that, like I just don't see where he fits as a a big piece of this roster. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think that's fair. So if you guys didn't catch the game, we've we've talked a lot about the overarching themes, but I'm going to walk through a few of the kind of key points, um, first quarter, the fourth quarter. So Oklahoma City started that hot. We talked about throwing that first punch. Um, SGA was the best player on the floor, not only the entire game, but especially in the first quarter, he came out swinging. J-Dub also had um, nine points in the first quarter, so he looked really good. Poku was doing some awesome things early on. Um, second quarter, as Oklahoma City kind of extended their lead, it was Kenrich Williams, who was that spark. Jacob just talked about him. I think he had seven points in the first three or four minutes of the second quarter. Um, really started to help Oklahoma City push away. Uh, middle of the second quarter, Poku started getting hot. He had, um, I think, a couple of threes or a three and a putback dunk. He's just doing some nice things on offense. And it was it was interesting to hear the NBA TV crew talk about Poku. Like he was just this incredible talent, which most officiating crews would just say, oh, he's this seven-foot project that is kind of coming around. Like they were super high on him, which is awesome to see some some national love for Poku. Uh, halftime, Oklahoma City was up 7, 69-62. They were shooting close to 40% from three. Um, they were 10 of 11 from the line. The Celtics were struggling from deep, 5 of 20 from beyond the arc. Um, Tatum and Brown looked solid in the first half. They weren't spectacular. Like Shea definitely outplayed both of them. Uh, Tatum had 15. Brown had 18. I don't know if anybody else was even in double figures for the Celtics at half. Um, third quarter comes around. Uh, Poku's explosive blocks buckets all the above it feels like anytime poku blocks a shot or steals the ball he's always the finisher at the other end like he's got such long strides and he carries that momentum and how many times have we said like poku block poku three or poku block poku coast to coast like it's just it's his thing now and it's fun to watch because he's always been that guy that if he can do it on both ends be disruptive knock down shots we've always said he'll be a productive player and that's kind of what he's turning into um so thunder led by as much as 15, I believe, in the third quarter. Uh, late in the third, Peyton Pritchard time, he had five quick points to close out the quarter. A lot of that was due to turnovers, so the, the third quarter was actually a wash, although Oklahoma City looked better for most of it, and it was a seven-point game going into the fourth. We talked about this earlier, too. Thunder got turnover happy earlier in the fourth quarter. Um, Josh Giddy started turning over quite a bit. They were applying pressure. Became a four-point game with seven minutes left. Celtics tied it at 107 with just under six minutes left. They had an 8-0 run. It was back and forth for a while until the last minute or two. Um, Derek White and Marcus Smart hit back-to-back threes. It looked like it was over. It was a six-point game. Shea comes down, gets an and one. 
pulls within three, and then Marcus Smart, the Oklahoma State legend, comes down, hits a tough bucket to extend it to five, and from there, uh, the game was over. So Smart was huge late. I thought, thought Tatum, up until that fourth quarter, wasn't all that impressive. I think he was like one of ten from three at some point in the game. Um, he had a few pretty key buckets down the stretch to put it away. Uh, but it really came down to the turnovers. Oklahoma City only had six turnovers in the first half. And they ended with a ton of turnovers in the second. So that was really the moral or the the theme of the game. Turnovers late kind of kind of screwed the game over for Oklahoma City, which is definitely a sign of a young team. We've talked about some of the stats that stuck out for Oklahoma City. Um, Poku was impressive. He had uh, what was it, sixteen points and. 14 rebounds, which two assists to steal bonkers. three blocks. Yeah, like super impressive line. Um, J Dub with 14 points, six rebounds, two assists. SGA, we mentioned his second straight 37 point game, nine of nine from the line, eight assists, two steals. Josh had 16, seven, and four, although he was six of 17 from the floor. Off the bench, no one really did much. All five starters had at least 14 points. Nobody on the bench had more than seven. It was Kenrich that led the bench unit, and all seven of those points were like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so last night, it felt like the bench was the spark in that game. Tonight, it was absolutely the starters. And again, I tweeted this out. Other than situationally, like Jacob mentioned, there's some teams you can't do this against. But I would love to see that be the regular starting lineup that we saw tonight. That was Poku, J-Dub, Giddy, Dort, SGA. Yeah, that's a... Fun and offensively very versatile offensive lineup. I, I I like it a lot. Honestly, defensively too. Yeah, yeah, uh, to an extent for sure. Um, I felt like Shea was relatively inefficient for himself tonight. And then I look at the box score, and he was 13 of 26 from the field, 50%. Yeah. Two of four from three, 50%. And nine of nine from the free throw line. This man went 50, 50, 100. Like, that. what the hell? That feels inefficient for that man. That's brought down his field goal percentage. Yeah. Yeah. It increases three-point percentage, though. So you, yeah. you, you pull, you give. It's and all, it increases his, it. his free throw percentage. But it's kind of yeah. wild that a 50% from the line or 50% from the field night uh, is bad for your percentage. Yeah. Um, Nick, before we get out of here, you want to hit some of these comments in the chat? We got a lot of people with a lot yes. of thoughts. You want to you wanna throw some up there and we can chat about them? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have one that says Jalen Williams, J Dub, uh, needed to shoot the ball more tonight. I have much more trust in his shot going in than Giddy or Dort. How'd you think about J Dub shooting tonight? Um, we've talked about this in the pod. I would love J Dub to go out there and shoot 15 times a game. There's just not enough shots for him, but I would love to see him be more aggressive because it feels like when he shoots, like he's always pretty damn good. So I'd love to see it. Yeah, the three pointers coming around for him. We yep. knew he was a good three-point shooter. He struggled a little bit early. Yep. He's so efficient at like that floater, that midi game, getting to the rim. Another one, we're going to be so good when Jalen, Jang, and Chet reach their third NBA seasons. SGA will finally get the help he needs. Hopefully. Any thoughts on that? Hopefully. I mean, in a perfect world, you want to hit in all of your lottery picks. And all three that Oklahoma City drafted this year, I hot take, I think J-Dub's already like, you can check the box. He was a good pick. Like there's always got like Brandon Jennings had 55 points in his seventh game ever and ended up sucking injuries were part of that. But I'm, I'm almost already ready to say that J-Dub's going to be good. Assuming check comes back healthy and doesn't have long-term injury concerns. We know he's going to be good. Like maybe he's not a superstar, but we know he's going to be a good player. 
Zhang is kind of a project, but given what we've seen out of Poku, like this this staff is great at developing players. So and Zhang is way farther along than Poku yeah, ever was. Yeah. So I mean, on. like if I was a betting man, I would say all three of those players end up being very crucial pieces of this team long term. So yes, agree with you. Three years from now. Yeah. How, how many of those three are starting on this team? They're all three on the team. How many of them are starting? One. One. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think Mark waited too long to sub in Shay and Jalen? Uh, I do. I didn't agree with at all with his decisions tonight, I guess with his rotation. Yeah, I think, I think in a vacuum, I would agree being the second out of a back-to-back, there's going to be like medical staff always gives their thoughts and, and advice. And I guarantee you, they were saying second out of a back-to-back Shay's injury prone. Here's his, minute load for the night like i would imagine that played a little bit of it like in theory what is playing him an extra two minutes do probably nothing but there really is a science to load management and these guys bodies and making sure they stay healthy so i'm sure that was part of it definitely um the guys look gassed in the second half with a shorter roster tonight i think we forget like trey Mann was out mm-hmm. darius Baisley is out usman's not with the team yeah. eugenio marui not with the team uh, there was a lot of guys who've been logging a lot of minutes who did not play tonight. Yeah. And and I think Muscala not playing was probably another medical staff thing, like second out of back-to-back, him him resting. So, yeah, it, it was short run. I mean, you listed off the top minutes, guys. We had a couple 35s, 36s. Like, it was definitely a short roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about Ludort drives and misses at the rim? Yeah. <laughs> I tweeted this out. What would Lou Dort be averaging this season if he didn't blow layups? Um, He's just a wrecking ball. And he goes in there with such assertiveness that sometimes it's like, yo, like chill out, get close to the the, the change of speeds. Not there almost. You see a lot of these really Mm -hmm. elite guards. They're like quick first step. They get to their spot. They slow it down. They're, they're kind of at the shade is the perfect example. He'll blow by you. And he's methodical as he gets to the rim and it's like slow motion. Whereas Lou is just like, one speed can't stop mm-hmm. throw it off the glass and some of his i know they're pushing him to be a better decision maker but some of it just hurts to watch him drive it's to the tough. basket and then kind of get stuck and just turn it over yeah. um david asks why do you think josh has lost his confidence he was so good during summer league and preseason it's a grind man 82 games you're going across the country all the time you've got external personal things going on you're working with a new shooting coach he's probably trying to tweak things and try new things out like it's it's just a grind a lot of it's mental and and i don't know if he's fully lost his confidence like he had a huge three where he after a couple turnovers he caught it and you could tell like he wanted to shoot it you didn't think he was going to he popped it hit it and he put up his fingers for three like I don't think he's fully lost his confidence. <laughs> that was his one of the six. <laughs> yes. I don't think he's lost his confidence, but there's certainly a lot that goes into a long season, especially for a guy that's that's having his shot actively worked on. Yep, for sure. I like this one. Gable asks, who's the best basketball player on the podcast? Well, it's one of us two. It's a good question. <laughs> a good good time to ask the question. We'll we'll do we'll do a little one on one tournament and we'll let you guys know. At some point. Yep. Yep. Um yeah, takeaway. From tonight, with one more year experience for J-Dub, Poku, Jang, Giddy. Then you add Chet plus another pick. Going to have a killer squad. Agreed. I think it just depends um, who that plus one more pick is. Like, even if Oklahoma City lost every game the rest of the year, they only get a 14% shot at Wimby. 
Um, but there's it's a deep draft, and there's a lot of good players. And I think mm-hmm. if you can land a top five or six guy, like you can get a cornerstone piece. You can even get a guy later in the lottery. Like it, it happens. Um, but it depends on that plus one. But the the original four mentioned in that that question or, or thought, hundred percent. Like the the Thunder have fun guys that have high ceilings. Two more. What is Poku's ceiling? Um, let's give a comp. He. Mm. It's a difficult question. We used to think it was like sky high. I think the ceiling has come down. I think it's it's 2014 Danny Green, but seven feet tall. Remember wow. Danny Green on the Spurs was like splashing threes, mm-hmm. good defender, but he was never like a star, but he was a very impactful player in the playoffs. That's interesting. I like that. Um, he's so unique. It's hard to come up with a comp. Oh, for um, sure. But he's, he's nobody can deny at this point. He's putting it together. He's incredible. He's gonna, He's not going to be 21 until Christmas. You know, he's still so young. Uh, got a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to progress. Um, he's been really good. Like, we, haven't, been, we haven't talked about his weight because we're to the point where it's like, does it really matter? Yeah. After the game against <clears throat> Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Uh, last one. If Poku doesn't sprain his ankle landing on Horford, do we win if we keep the momentum we had up to that point? Did feel like that around then was the turning point. Yeah. I mean, so hard to say. It is. It is. But the fact that the questions being asked speaks volumes to Poku. The yeah. fact that a, a year ago, the fact year, that we're asking that question a year ago, I, I tells you all you need you to know about said, Poku. Hey, the Thunder are going to play the Celtics this time next year, and Poku turning his ankle is going to be the reason the Thunder don't win. You're going to be you're like, what? Why was Poku so in happy. the game? <laughs> uh, okay, I lied. Last one. When Poku turns 21, what's the first beer? He's going to Fassler Hall, and he's going to get a German beer that you can't even describe or you get you can't even pronounce. I like it. I don't drink beer, so I don't have an opinion on this. He'll drink a Bud Light. I don't know. There you go. I think that's all for us, Nick. That is it. We've got uh, two more games this week. They, The Oklahoma City Defender will take on Washington on Wednesday. Um, from there, they've got one more away game before going back home to Oklahoma City. They'll take on the Grizzlies on Friday in Memphis. And then a couple days off, we'll be back in Oklahoma City Monday to take on the New York Knicks, who, as far as we know, can't guard this team. So hopefully it's just as fun back at Paycom Center. Uh, but two more road games before the road trip officially comes to an end. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.